new down with OBT podcast. I'm Nick. I'm joined by James. James, I'm excited. It's a fun time of the year. Playoff hunt is heating up. Trade deadline coming up. How are you feeling, James? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I feel like it's a really fun year. I want to get into it with you, talk a little bit further down in the cast about some of the rule changes and everything else. You know, I think that baseball is back in as far as capturing the hearts and minds of some folks that maybe were less interested. You know, maybe they were driven out a little bit by COVID and kind of the lack of the fans. Who knows? But I feel like we are looking at a baseball season that seems a little more reminiscent of uh, maybe when baseball was a little more popular in the, the public conscience. You know, kudos to them. The rule changes have been good, in my opinion. So, yeah, should we jump into the rule changes? I mean, before we jump into the rule changes and all that, I got to ask. It's been a minute. We haven't done one in a while. What are you drinking? Oh, it's a little embarrassing, actually. I'm drinking a Bud Light Seltzer Retro Tie-Dye Cherry Limeade. Oh, wow. It's not great. It's kind (laughs) of like if you you went to 7-Eleven and got a slushie and poured, like, malt liquor in there i guess or not you know not malt liquor but like sugary liquor it like was not expecting it to be this sugary it's probably fake sugar too it is a bud light retro (laughs) cherry lime seltzer is is that what it is uh you pretty much nailed it bud light seltzer retro tie-dye cherry limeade wow yeah so i missed the tie-dye part and the limeade part So I have to tell you that I think you might be the only person that's bought that drink, not (laughs) expecting it to um, taste the way that it does. And the folks at home can't see, so maybe we can get a picture of it and put it on the site. I'm sure everybody has a a visual aid. But when I see that drink, uh, the way I picture it is being consumed by maybe a construction worker at like 1130 on their Mm. lunch break when they're trying to get a couple pops in just to, you know keep okay. it going during the, the day but I, w- I was thinking more like maybe a country music concert pregame maybe in the parking i think lot. it's too saccharine for that though um <laughs> true true in the sun, that's actually and that's that's a no-go but no you might be right though who knows what the kids are doing these days at the country concerts but yeah i picture <laughs> i picture of the sales of that being more in 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 singles than in cases, you know, people who are popping yeah. in for quick two drinks, two, was, you know, singles out of the beer shelf uh, on their way. I don't know, driving an Uber when they shouldn't be drinking <laughs> two uh, Bud Light retro yeah, cherry limeade. You nailed it. Anyway, what are you drinking? I had a beer and then I mixed up a Manhattan, which, you know, in the summertime, I usually do more less uh, Manhattans, maybe more gin and tonics. But hey, the spirit took me. It's a Manhattan night. It's a podcast night. Exactly. Anyways, <laughs> rule changes. What do you think the best thing to come out of them this season is? More stolen bases. Uh, it's just, um, it's exciting. You know, Acuna's got 50 already. Arguably the best, well, I almost said arguably the best player in the game. Otani is the best player in the game. But Ronald Acuna is second, and there's nothing wrong with that. He is an absolute superstar. He's got 51 stolen bases in July. It is that's absolutely absurd to go along with 994 OPS. So that's what I would say is the best thing that's come out of the new rule changes. When you mentioned um, OPS, I saw a fun stat where you could get a home run and a single every single game of the season, and you would still have 
a worse OPS than Barry Bonds did in his best season. <laughs> That's incredible. For me, the best thing about the rule changes is less commercials. So I wouldn't say that yeah. it's longer, you know, shorter games, which is fun. I don't mind the rhythm of a longer game, but when you're allowed to just substitute in, it's less the pitch clock and more the subbing in for a third of an inning or, you know, five pitches or whatever it used to be. I like that they've limited that so that we're not getting like five more commercial breaks a game or whatever we, we got yeah. last year compared to this year. Nice. I mean, the pitch clock, it's very evident. A pitch is thrown and you almost can't turn your head away because you know that the next pitch is coming and it's 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 a change for like the vibe of baseball being sort of a relaxed game but it really does make for like a, a really just constantly exciting game people with kids it's nice to get a game that you can get to bed at a reasonable hour now that i've turned yeah. into that person but um gone are the yankees red sox four and a half hour games for better or worse and i think it's probably for better even though there are some epic ones in there but i think it's important to come you know move with the times people have shorter attention spans yeah, it's a it's fun years. Otani doing what he's doing. Uh, you know, he could break Aaron Judge's record that Aaron Judge set last year. Last week, he pitched a complete game shutout. It's almost beyond just comprehension what he's doing. Yeah, I think he's the best story to come out of baseball all year. And I think he's the best story to come out of baseball in a very long time. I'm curious. I'm on the East Coast. I think it's impossible to give him enough credit. But on the East Coast, he doesn't get talked about nearly enough. I know on the West Coast, I'm sure, and not to say you're in Anaheim or anything like that. But so yeah. would you say he's getting somewhat close to the credit he should be? Yeah. I mean, up in Sacramento, I'm not like you said, I'm not in Anaheim or the heart of L.A. But just for one, being on the West Coast, you're up when he's playing. You know, That's a great people, point. Great point. Um, so I'm just on Twitter when he hits a home run or stuff like that more often. So there's that part of it, too. So even though I'm not in the heart of L.A., I, I do feel that. Nice. And he's done so many things so well. How many stolen bases does he have this year? He's got 12. That's wild. He could end the year with 20 stolen bases. True. Uh, he, he could be one of the best pitchers in the game. He could be doing what he's doing at the bat with power. And he could also have 20 stolen bases. It's just crazy. In uh, soccer, there's an award called the Ballon d'Or given to the player in world soccer who just had the best year. And like Messi's going to win 2022 because he had a good year and he brought Argentina to the World Cup and they won it. Like he completed his freaking story. So he's going to win it. Much love to Messi. And Otani, if there was a Ballon d'Or in 2023, if we had that type of award, Otani won the WBC came in to close in the ninth inning against the USA and struck out Mike Trout. Like, <laughs> what What a story. What a what a story. Like, this year is awesome, um, but his whole career is awesome, and I'm rooting for the Angels. Yes, they're a competitor to your Red Sox for a wild card spot, but it's hard not to root for them because it's, it's a cool story, and it would be awesome if Otani could do something with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great to get him um, in the playoffs for sure. Even as a Red Sox fan, it's hard to argue yeah. that, right? It's cool that the Angels are being um, buyers. They're buy they bought Giolito. They're going for it, you know. So that is cool, and I hope it works out for them. Yeah, and that's a change of pace 
for uh, yeah. for that team as well. You know, putting some chips on the table. Awesome. All right, so let's get into some fantasy talk. You recently wrote an article. I read it. I loved it. So break it down for me. What, what were you looking at? And then let's pick out some names and let's discuss. So I titled the article "Mostly Under the Radar Trade Deadline Targets and Pickups at Every Position." I've been less active with my waiver wire articles, but at this opportune time in the baseball season where it's the real baseball trade deadline, so there's a lot of movement, a lot of players gaining value, losing value, and it's also you know coming up on the fantasy baseball trade deadline. Some of these guys are undervalued or they're just really performing, and I think they'll continue to perform uh, even if they might cost more. I kind of did it like around the horn. Around the horn. Uh, <laughs> this is like a segment that we can have. Like, doesn't have to be my voice. Maybe we can hire a guy. I was trying to think if we have like a friend who could do the uh, the segment voices for us. Yeah, we got to get him in. Maybe we'll do uh, Andy. <laughs> yeah, Andy. <laughs> Andy would be a good one. So going around the horn, starting at catcher, I talked about Francisco Alvarez and Yenier Diaz. Yeah, I mean, I would say the first thing that jumped out to me was the first name on your list is Alvarez. And the most surprising thing to me is his um, own rate. I yeah. thought for sure he would be owned in more leagues. What's his yeah, percentage? Yeah, 65% on Yahoo. He's been the number one ranked catcher over the last 30 days. So he's got um, eight home runs, 16 RBIs, 271 average. During that time, he's only 21 years old. Uh, and sort of, he was number one on some prospect list. I wouldn't expect him to continue to hit 271 like he did in July. His not going to do that, average. but he, how many home runs yeah. does he have? He has almost 20? Yeah. They like him so much that when he's not catching, when he's given days off, they'll put him at DH. And yeah, he has 20 home runs this season. There you go. Boom. Yeah, I got to um, come clean in that uh, I have him on my squad, one of my squads. But uh, I have a tendency to hang on to my minor league slots. I don't want to bring him up. Yeah, so in this league that I'm in with Jamie, inherited his brother's team. We have three minor league spots. But once you call somebody up, they can't go back down. So... What your brother did before I took over the team was he held Wander Franco down all year so that he wouldn't count as a keeper the next year. Uh, so those are the types of calculations you got to make. Yeah, and it's one of the funnest parts like of the keeper. league, I think, is uh, is deciding when to pull the trigger on that, how much they should be valued at when you target trades and stuff like that. But yeah, how on earth is a catcher with um, 20 home runs, 21 years old, getting a ton of at bats, sitting at that, you know, only, yeah. which is max silly. EV. Among the top 8% in the league, barrel rate among the top 18% for all qualifying hitters, which segues us into our next guy, first base Tristan Cassis for your Red Sox. I uh, actually have a, a lot of Red Sox on this list, little, you know, uh, spoiler for the rest of the episode, but. You know how many Red Sox you have on the list? I think it's five. Is it five? It's Cinco. You're correct. Correct. Yeah. Mundo. Starting with Cassis and. No spoilers for who the other ones are yet. Build the suspense for the rest of the episode. So he had a bad April. He had a really bad April. He had a 60 WRC+. plus. He had a terrible April. Yeah, I yeah. knew I was high on him, and then I was not yeah. high on him. The talk radios were probably talking shit on him. After that 60 WRC+, plus in April, has had a, hundred, a 152 WRC+. Plus. Uh, when I started writing this article, he was eighth, and it was so cool. I was like, oh, nice, because the people he was in front of or behind – were Otani, Corey Seager, Freddie Freeman, Juan Soto, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, and Luis Robert. And it was like, that just represents how much of a stud he's been. That April's was so the good. flukiest month to go off anybody's numbers, too. You know, it's, it's yeah. cold, it's wet. 
it's miserable. You haven't, you went from playing baseball in Fort Myers to playing baseball up where it's Boston or Detroit or Minnesota. Like you kidding me? And also people have bad months. And when you have the bad month at the beginning of the year, it kind of taints the rest of your season. Like the fans remember it, everything like that. So sometimes we can undervalue these guys who like also Gunnar Henderson, who we might talk about later, who kind of were mediocre at the beginning of the year and since have really taken off. So, yeah, Tristan Cassis ranks in the top 17% or better in average exit velocity, max exit velocity, hard hit percentage, ex-woba, ex-slugging, barrel percentage, walk percentage. He is a really good player who uh, Red Sox fans are going to love having for a long, long time. All right. I'm going to do something a little bit unconventional. Instead of going around the, the diamond or go around the, uh, the horn, <laughs> around the <laughs> we horn. We had the voiceover. Right? How can you forget? We had the voiceover. We paid money for that. I know. We got to get Andy on it. We got to see what kind of product he gives us before we pay him. But yeah, you know, we got to get him on a competition. But I'm going to do something a little bit different, and I am going to keep talking socks shop. Yeah, do it. We got five Red Sox. Let's fucking do it. Around the horn is canceled. Around the horn, fuck it. It's done. (laughs) Andy, you're fired. Take your shit and go home. (laughs) <laughs> you, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, I guess. Yep. Um, so we talked Cassis, and now I want to talk a little bit about the two guys who are coming back from the IL. We got yeah. Trevor Story and Chris Sale. Writing this article, it's like, who's that guy who could give you a little push for the rest of the year, right? A lot of people might not realize Trevor Story is right on the cusp of coming back. And Trevor Story is coming back from Tommy John's surgery. Um, obviously, hasn't played all this year. He's not the Trevor Story of his prime, probably, but he's still a really, really, really good player. And a guy who's kind of like a five-category contributor because he is in the heart of the lineup, hits homers, steals. So I like Trevor Story. He is in AAA right now and should be back this week. And Mick, I think in your article, did you say he's been doing well in his uh, rehab starts as well, or his rehab games yep. in AAA? He had something like four starts in double A, crushed it, like 1,100 OPS. Four starts in triple A, something like close to 1,000 or over OPS. So, I mean, that's promising. It's minors, of course, and he's a grown man, but it's good to see that he's just right back into it. I mean, yeah, sure, you need that caveat, right? But at the same time, it's not particularly unusual for a superstar to, to go... 10 for 40 yeah. in the in the in the minor league starts that he has when he's coming back from an injury you know yeah. it, it's not a one-to-one translation you know uh if you take somebody who's batting 300 say and then hitting a bunch of dongs and, and send them to the minors for their rehab starts i don't think it you can necessarily expect anything um, from those uh and everybody yeah. might treat them differently maybe some people try to work on something and they know they have what they have, and they're just trying to figure something out with their yeah, stance. especially pitchers. Exactly, pitchers especially. Yeah. You know, it's like a testing ground that doesn't really count. Um, so yeah. why not, you know, try to learn something new? Uh, it's like a safe space, a safe space for them, you know, yeah. mentally weak athletes. No, I'm so kidding. it's certainly not but, a bad uh, thing. Because I think Tommy John is something where it's um, obviously a very pervasive surgery and takes a long time to come back. But people do build up and come back pretty strong eventually. Um, and it's more going to affect his throwing. So that's Trevor Story, 53% rostered. 
might be flying under the radar and might be available in your league. So do you want to continue with this Red Sox train or where do you want to go next, James? Choo choo. Let's keep going. <laughs> All right. So I want to go with Chris Sale because yeah. I feel like Trevor Story and Chris Sale have a little bit of a common thread in that there is a great upside. But like you said, Trevor Story, he gave the caveat of what to expect, right? But he's probably lost some shine, even if he was healthy. Who knows what the season would look like? But he's not necessarily the Trevor Story of old. But I did see your numbers before he got injured last year. And would you have him projected to hit um, if he played a full season? If he played a full season. So just stretching out the, you know, he played 93 games. But if he had played a full season, 28 home runs and 23 stolen bases. He's only 30. He could really, you know, be solid. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, but I can see him really contributing and really contributing for fantasy. Yeah. And um, ideally, God, I hope he's going to be in the heart of a pretty good lineup. And if they get sale, who we're about to talk about playing anywhere near what he once did, they're going to be right in the heart of a of a late season playoff run. Um, yeah, that they make two and a half games so. back. It's fun. Um, exactly. And- now, sale. This is the save story. Some question marks. Sale. Jeez, Louise. What are we going to get? He's been injured so yeah. much. He's been up and down when he has played. Yeah. And all that said, I still want me some Chris Sale. Signs were really positive before he got hurt. And the thing about a lot of these injuries. So in 2020, he had Tommy John, and then he recovered. And then in 2022, he had the following injuries, a stress fracture in his ribs, broken left pinky that was on a line drive comebacker, broken wrist while riding his bicycle. So 2022 was like a wash, right? It's like these injuries are not really, I mean, stress fracture in his ribs. I don't know if that's related to pitching, but the other two are not related to pitching at all. They're just unfortunate. Um, so he comes into this year, probably has high hopes. You know, I'm, I'm over this stuff. He's such a competitive person. But in June, he was diagnosed with a scapular stress reaction. Um, up to that point, he had a 458 ERA, but a 119 whip. And the underlying numbers were really good. He had That's a the thing. Uh, not to interrupt yeah. you, but, you know, you hear the 4-5 ERA. And like you said, because you're a numbers guy, as people would fucking hope when they're listening to a fantasy mm. baseball podcast. But um, you watched him pitch, and he had something back. I imagine, if I recall correctly, he lost a little bit of zip, but he also just seemed like he was really on point with his junk. He just looked good. There was a lot to buy in yeah. from the eye test. Exactly. It's like what we were saying about um, Cassis's bad April. Sale gave up 15 runs in his first three starts of the year. After that, in his next eight starts, right up to the injury, 287 ERA, 0.96 whip. So that looks a lot better than the overall season stats that were tamped down by that bad April. So the underlying numbers on the whole season look good. Like most ERA estimators, they have him around 3.5. So it implies that he was he was unlucky. But also, in those last eight starts before he went to the IL, he was healing, and he felt like himself again. So it must have been so frustrating to get injured. Like I said, he's so competitive. You know he's just rearing to go. And I could see him ramping up, to, you know, maybe first start four innings, five innings, six innings pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree with that a thousand percent. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a start or two with a minutes restriction or pitch restriction, excuse me, and then was let fairly loose. 
I mean, hey, the way big leagues are, and they need to be smart, but it's hard to fucking tell Chris Hill to fucking go 90%. You know what I mean? He's going to yeah. want to go kick ass. He's been dying to. He's about to come into the heart of a fucking really fun time of year for baseball. Yeah. A really competitive time of year on a team that is about to get $300 million worth of salary between the two of them. Yeah. It's just a way to illustrate that we've put a big investment in those two. Those two are two of the biggest pieces of the team, and they're about to come back to a team that's two and a half games out of playoffs and um, yeah. in a super fun, super competitive AL East. All right. We're going to do one more Red Sox, and then we're going to jump into other players that you have on the list because there's a lot of good names there. Let's go ahead, and I'm going to say dealer's choice. You tell me who you want to talk about for the last Red Sox that we're going to shine a light on. I just want to just real quick bring up Garrett Whitlock, and he's been very injury prone, but always when he's healthy, he's really, really good. So uh, when he comes back, and he's expected to come back pretty soon too, he's ramping up. Would you put him in a starting role, or would you put him in like a multi-inning relief role because he can't seem to stay healthy? I would be cautious if I'm the Red Sox, and I would put him in a stretch relief role, you know, mm-hmm. personally. And then for the playoffs, maybe I'd move him into the the, the rotation. Yeah, ramp up the innings as as you go. The last Red Sox we Red Sox player. Can you say Red Sox? Do people in Boston say Red Sox? I, I think people say both. You know, he's a Red Sox. He's a Red Sox. Uh, let's talk about a particular Red Sox. Yeah, but it is true that Tottenham fans will give you shit if you say the Spurs. You have to say Spurs. Anyway, moving on. We are talking about Red Sox. <laughs> Chris Sale, 68% owned. Moving on to Jaron Duran, outfielder for Boston, 67% rostered. In the article, I also mentioned Ezekiel Duran, a guy with multi-position eligibility in the Rangers lineup. And Jaron Duran, uh, they share a surname. I picked up Ezekiel Duran today, so I had to change my team name to Duran Duran because I now (laughs) roster both of them. So it just had to happen. You know, like fantasy team names, that's where puns happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, uh, we lost the year, but um, it was either last year or the year before. And I feel like Jalen Brown had tweeted, the momentum is about to shift or something. The energy is about to shift. Mm-hmm. I forget what it was. But since then, they won like fucking 90 percent of their games or something like that. You know, uh-huh. and I feel like I feel like changing your team name midseason to Duran Duran. The momentum is about to shift. Yeah, type, strong uh, move. Yeah, it's a you know that's in, the kind of stuff that winning teams you know have. Yeah, I'm in seventh place. I think I'm about to go on a run in this league. Change the name to Duran Duran. Got to do it. Got Jaron Duran. So let's talk about Duran. Um, he's he's having a really good year. Uh, he's been the 28th ranked player in five by five fantasy over the last 30 days. 21 steals on the year, six home runs, 314 batting average. Been a real huge plus in batting average. And he's got a real good approach. He's um his spray chart is very balanced and he's equal with you know he goes to left field right field so that could sacrifice some power because it's proven that pulling the ball is the way that you get the most power but he is in exchange having a really good batting average he's fourth in the league in doubles he is uh, top four sprint speed in the league so he is able to slap it into the gaps and turn it into a double. Um, so he's also, he hits the ball hard. He's in the top 22% for max EV and hard hit percentage, but he's just sort of playing that gaps power instead of hitting the ball over the fence. But considering his 
elite batting average and stolen bases. I'm really excited about Duran, you know, this year and in the future. I think he's definitely like a top 80 pick next year. And he is a guy that we have been interested in since 2021. Like on the pod, we were talking about him in 2021. And this is the year where he's broken out. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I was about to say, I know you have been big, 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 big on Duran Duran for a very long time. And you know what the most surprising thing to me when I read the article was? Like, I know he's fast. I know he's been hitting the ball for average. I would not have guessed that he's fourth in the league in doubles. Um, yep. Is that Yeah, that's why. I feel like he's got to be one of the larger blitz between um, home runs to doubles that you normally see. Usually, if someone's fourth in the league in doubles, they're putting the ball over the fucking fence a little bit more. Yeah. But it's funny because you mentioned he, he might slap some, uh, you know, opposite field and stretch out a single. But still, that can't, you know, that might make somebody 10th and the 20th in the league in doubles yeah. or something. But if you're fourth in the league in doubles, you're hitting your fair share of fucking power, right? You're, you're, you're yeah. putting the bat to the ball and you're making the ball move a far distance, right? That's what hitting is. That was pretty eye-opening to me to see that we got a guy who's hitting fourth in doubles. And he's got fucking uh, Speedy Gonzalez legs. And mm -hmm. also, if you play your cards right, you can get him. And then you can also get the other Duran. And then you get to name your team Duran Duran. And then all bets are off. You know, the, yeah. it's just lights out from there. Um, a quick aside. What's the best Duran Duran song? You know, I can't say that, like, I'm a huge Duran Duran fan. I actually listened to a couple of their songs yesterday because I was like, I got to like commit, you know, uh, how many other puns can I make? But I would go with Hungry Like the Wolf. It's chalk, but it is my favorite Duran Duran song. Most catchy, I would say. Yep, 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 yep. So Duran Duran, and I'm not going to claim to be a Duran Duran super fan. But every time, you know, you listen, you become a little bit more of a super fan of Duran Duran. Hungry Like a Wolf or The Wolf, awesome song, arguably the best. Her name is Rio, or Rio, I think is the Rio. name of the song. Mm -hmm. is another great one. But when it comes to, and I don't know if it qualifies as a power ballad, but I think it does. When it comes to rock ballads from the 80s, if I'm out having a few beers, it's been a late night. People throw the music on and we're all just kind of picking songs, sitting there, hearing your friend's song, wishing it would end so that you can play your song. <laughs> and they sit there and wish it would end so they can play yours. And you're hoping that they're going to hear it and love it and talk about how amazing your choice of the next song was. Yeah. And then they don't sometimes. No, yeah, they rarely do. But yeah. I would say Ordinary World by Duran Duran, if you haven't heard it, is a, a fantastic 80s ballad maybe a top three of the uh, 80s ballads in my opinion so yeah don't just come here for fantasy baseball advice we also do music advice i wonder if we could slip in a uh snippet of ordinary you know i'm not like so up on the rules of like copyright i think you're allowed to do like under a certain amount of seconds yeah. yeah, and I think we could argue that this has been an analysis of the song, in which case I think they allow you to play more of it than you normally would if you're mm. if you're specifically discussing the song. And I would consider this a um, very intense critique. So I think we you know stand up to those standards of copyright. Yeah, I'm let's, ready for let's put a the fucking, whole fucking song on. In. 
Bring on Duran Duran's lawyer after this. Bring, Bring on, on the law. I, I hope he has the balls yeah. to question our commitment to analyzing Ordinary World by Duran Duran. Fantastic uh, chorus, for sure, in that song. Moving on, we can step outside of the uh, Yaki faithful here. And um, we can jump into non-Red Sox players, as, as crazy as that is. Yeah, so, I guess. I know, right? Um, one guy I would like you to, to talk on, and I don't think he's um, wanting for attention and spotlight, but I do think he deserves more of one, and which is why he's in your article, is uh, our man Gunner. What yeah. gets you up in the morning thinking about Gunner Henderson? Gunner Henderson, not unlike Francisco Alvarez was the number one overall prospect at a specific time. And Henderson had like, okay, April, but it wasn't that bad. I think his average was under 200, but his WRC plus was like 98, something like that. Since May 1st, he has a 127 WRC plus. Since June 1st, a 139 WRC plus with a 273 batting average in that time. So now we look at his uh, sample of 126 MLB games. He's got a 120 WRC plus. 20 home runs, six stolen bases, 244 average. And so basically a young guy, 22 years old, immediately having success in the major leagues. He is top 10% average exit velocity, max exit velocity, also uh, top 17% in walk rate and sprint speed. So he's a guy who is very well-rounded. He is hitting the ball hard. Uh, he's also fast. Uh, he also takes a walk. Uh, he is third base and shortstop eligible. Yeah, he's 90% rostered, but I'm saying this is a guy who maybe you go and target. If you're weak, especially at third base, third base is a bit of a dead zone this year. Sniff around with the Gunnar Henderson owner and see if you could get Gunnar Henderson on your roster. Yeah, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. I think that, geez, Louise, 22 years old and doing everything he's doing. Oh, my gosh. And like you <laughs> said, you know. It's like a, uh, what, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess 1970s Stephen King novel, The Dead Zone. But, hey, I, I could be <laughs> off. Maybe it's 80s King. If you are living in The Dead Zone, shout out to Stephen King and um, Anthony Michael Hall, I think, starred in some sort of Dead Zone adaption. So we can put that giant. <laughs> Does he have small hands? Small hands. Anthony Michael Hall, small hands. I'm I'm not sure. Is he famous for small hands? He was on an episode of Community that was hilarious, where he's like a big, tough bully with a mustache, like 45 years old, a bully in community college. Ah, uh, um, he was that guy in that one. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize that. That's Anthony Michael Hall. Maybe they're not something that is on the national radar. I don't know if they are or aren't. <laughs> live with me. But when you went into a fantasy baseball and heard about hands, you probably thought we were talking about I don't know, Mookie Betts' defense or yeah. something, but we're talking about Anthony Michael Hall's uh, creepy hands. I just feel like he's got some weird-ass hands. Is there anything on the internet confirming this or no? I googled Anthony Michael Hall hands. I think he was in Edward Scissorhands. So there is that connection to hands. Uh, that's going to um, ruin the search. Uh, you know, That's yeah. going to ruin it. Yeah, and you, you have that word that's involved. The, the first article that pops up is, <laughs> the headline is, Sketchy things about Anthony Michael Hall no one knows about. <laughs> yeah. Is it that he's handsy? Oh, man, that's another thing that's kind of... Listen, I'm not making light of Anthony Michael no. Hall's 
potential, you know, sexual harassment or whatever he's been up to. But if you're trying to find out if a celebrity has weird hands, the worst thing that can happen for the Google search is that they're both handsy, but also starred in Edward Scissorhands. That's a that's a that's a crusher right there. All um, right. Anyways, <laughs> how do we get on Anthony Michael Hall? The dead zone. Third base, the dead zone. 1979, um, by the way. 1979 it's a pretty good one i think christopher walken might have um might have starred in the dead zone movie you know it's a a tight stephen king he's not mm. all hopped up on goof mm. pills and uh he's well he's probably on something but um it's not goof pills you know so <laughs> he, he he had an editor it feels like at that point yeah. and it's a nice tight fun yarn so go look out the dead zone Think about the dead zone for third base. Think about how much uh, Gunnar Henderson's worth to you. And he's probably getting undervalued by most people um, at this time. Although, not to throw um, cold water on you, Mick, it is hard to pry top prospects out of folks' hands. Um, True. That's you know? the thing about some of these guys on this list. It's like whoever rosters them just loves them so much. They're like, Jaron yeah. Duran is my boy. Um, <laughs> but the, the funny thing about it is that he is rostered in 67% of leagues. So there are leagues out there where you could go and get someone like Duran, but obviously that's not the case for Henderson. Still, 90%? Yeah. That's not 99, not for nothing. Yeah. 10%, go, go. one out of every 10 leagues doesn't have him rostered. In the interest of keeping things high and tight, let's talk one more name on your article and let's deep dive them and then let's do a little recap at the end. Yeah. What you want for the rest of the year depends on where you are in the standings and where you are in the in the stats categories. So in this article, I covered 25 players in depth. Someone like Francisco Alvarez, you might say, 220 average. I really need to get my average up. I'm going to go in another direction. So that's why I wanted to touch on Yanir Diaz, catcher. On the Astros, 18% rostered. Was getting DH time when Jordan Alvarez was injured. Jordan Alvarez just came back. He's going to get a lot of starts at catcher, platooning with Maldonado and hopefully taking over for Maldonado because Maldonado has a 550 OPS, and I know the Astros value their catcher defense a lot. But uh, Diaz has just been crushing it. 11 home runs since... Uh, Beginning of June, it's just 41 games. He is top 4% in X slugging. It's just crushing the ball. Hard hit, X woba, and barrel percentage really high. And his expected batting average is really high. He's ninth in the league in something called IPA percentage, ideal plate appearance percentage, which is a number that pitcher list lists on their player profiles. It's barrels plus solid contact plus flares and burners over plate appearances. What's he batting Mark- now? He's batting 267, but his expected batting average is 278. And like I said, that is in the um, top 14 percentile in, in the league. X slugging in the top 4 percentile. And his X Woba is actually 353. And that's 30 points better than his real Woba. So, as good as he's kind of been, he has not been lucky. He has deserved what he's done. Like Michael Scott before him, his greatest strength is also his weakness. He he swings at everything, hits a lot of it hard, but chasing the ball too much. Is there value, do you think, beyond just having somebody hit 270? If you're having somebody hit 270 in a position where everybody else is hitting 220? 
Yeah, I like that because the position overall, you can say that generally is going to have like a pretty low average. In fantasy baseball, you're getting a little boost here. And it's kind of like the same thing as like catchers who steal bases, right? There's like two guys, like Dalton Varsho and JT Real Muto. And other than that, nobody steals. So it, it allows you to sort of make your roster differently. If yeah. you have a catcher who hits 23 home runs, I don't know, make up a number, right? A decent amount of home runs. You have them do that at catcher. They get less at-bats than most positions. They generally get valued for their defense just as much as their offense. And as such, they're not going to hit as many dingers. But my point is this. If you go out and you get a catcher who gets 28 home runs off a lot of at-bats and you gain eight home runs off of somebody else's catcher, you're getting home runs everywhere nowadays. Everybody's selling out for home runs. Mm -hmm. Positionals are getting, you know, every position's hitting home runs. What if you get a catcher that's able to raise your batting average because he hits 270 over a decent amount? I feel like if I were hunting, and this might be moronic, and who knows, maybe my my second Manhattan is making me a little tipsy, Mm -hmm. but um, I just feel like there's a lot of value in fine. Like, like I just feel like maybe we're overvaluing power at the catcher position. Um, and yeah. if you can get a guy who's hitting 20 home runs and batting 267, um, I would take that over a guy who's batting, he's hitting 33 home runs and, uh, he's batting 220. Yeah. Um, personally, I don't and know. Cool thing about Diaz is he's hitting the ball hard. And like I said, 11 home runs since the beginning yeah. of June. So you're kind of getting both. Yenir Diaz, just 18% rostered. That, like a player that he reminds me of a little bit. I mean, there's plenty of players that fit this kind of probably mold. But Josh Naylor, who's having like a breakout year with the Guardians, bottom three percentile in chase rate. But also at the same time, Josh Naylor has a 14.8% K rate, which is really, really good. So Naylor is a guy who is going to put the ball in play a ton. And Diaz is that kind of player. He's putting the ball in play and able to still have a high average because he's not striking out. Like I said, playing time could be better. You know, before Jordan Alvarez came back playing almost every day, that was really the peak of Diaz probably. But I still think that he's a really good option for a lot of people with catchers and obviously two catcher leagues even though I don't play any two-catcher leagues. Yeah, of course you don't. Two-catcher leagues yeah. are for uh, jabronis. Yeah, you know, right? Everybody I'm, in a, I'm in a weekly league this year. I'm always like, I'm a daily guy. I love daily. The idea of like caring about two-star pitchers, I'm like, what? What two-star pitcher? What? I got to like worry if they have a start on Sunday and Friday or something. I just want to know if he's a good pitcher or not. Two-star it takes pitchers, away from that. they get into that territory of... Um, fucking having those things that tell you the second someone's getting called up for uh this you know closer. closers like closer monkey yeah it's like oh uh-huh. sweet you're awesome at like i don't know hey to each their own right? yeah yeah but like, like to, to any that i like about fantasy baseball are finding like a talent and being like hey like i've seen this guy play or i've looked at his numbers or i've read some articles and they they seem like they're due for a breakout, and hey, I called that one right, and it's probably just dumb luck, but it's still a good feeling. I don't think I've ever been like, oh, sweet, found out a two-star pitcher this week, yeah, and he exactly. started twice. Wholeheartedly like, agree. You're like, sick, dude. 
That's yeah. fucking great. Good for you. A tip of the cap. You know, yeah. um, and my like my other brother, whose team you inherited, would love that. Like he loves finding mm-hmm. the rule that like no one realized you could capitalize on. If my brother could win a season because he found a weakness and like the writing of the league rules and was able to like <laughs> to leverage that to like winning some bullshit way, I think he would take more pride in that than if he drafted like the perfect team. There was like I think our league that we're both in at one point there was like a um and I don't think it make that big of a difference, but it illustrates a point. There's an innings cap, but I think that the innings cap is turned off for like the last day, call it, or last week. Uh-huh. So like if you reach your cap but go over it within the last week or something, then it doesn't mm-hmm. cap you. But like some semantic, like tiny little thing that you could go dig up is what he would he would take his pride in, which is similar to finding a pitcher that's going to have two starts in the same week. All right. And I do want to say, got to do a shameless plug here because you put some awesome work into the article. It's really good. Love the uh, thumbnail of Friendly Fenway up there. But everybody go to youdownwithobp.com, spelled with a U, and um, go reach out, search out, find, read, um, like, mix article. It's killer. And uh, if you're lucky and if we hear enough feedback from the You Down With OBP faithful, our uh, constant viewership. We are massive. Massive. Oh, yeah. It's like, um, is it BTS? Yeah. Yeah. Like when there's all the stuff on Twitter and half of the training stuff is BTS, the other half's us. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, Yeah. Stephen King calls them, I think, his constant readership. And I always say constant viewership, but that is wrong because we don't put these on YouTube. So we'll say constant listenership. It's kind of like a quirk. You always say viewership, and I just kind of like it. You know, the you down with OBP faithful and the loyal viewership. Exactly. Yeah, I like to think that people close their eyes and listen to this podcast with nothing else going on. And in their mind's eye, they view the two of us as two incredibly handsome leading men discussing baseball articulately and not just misquoting Stephen Mm. King's uh, letters pages and um, also mispronouncing. Talking about Anthony Michael Hall's hands, Duran Duran and and whatnot. Anthony Michael Hall has long slender fingers, maybe. Look at like either they're really big or they're really small is one or the other. Look at 16 Candles, Anthony Michael Hall, when he's like holding up Molly Ringwald's panties or something, as I think he does in that movie. And you'll be like, man, I can focus only on one thing. And it's that dude's yeah. hands, his hands. And I think he's always like touching his face with them. They're, 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 there's something going on there. And I think that I'm so curious if this is a, a like a thing or it's just a, a Jamie thing. You know what? It could also yeah. be just a Jamie thing and also a non-existing thing. <laughs> like, like, I haven't seen 16 Candles in probably 15 years. It also could just be like Emilio Estevez's hands in, oh, okay. in Young so Guns. similar guy, similar no. time period. But no, it's yeah. Anthony Michael Hall, his limp wrist, long yeah. hands, touching his face. Yeah, he's got weird hands. Like, get- Anthony Michael Hall, if you're listening, come at us. Uh, Duran Duran's lawyers come at us. Yeah. <laughs> we don't care. We <laughs> we don't give a shit. We're massive. We're massive. Just see what happens. It's like when people attack Taylor Swift. Just see what happens when yeah. the the 
you down with OBP faithful, the constant viewership. Come at me, semantics police. Police, come at me, Anthony Michael Hall's attorneys. Fucking Duran Duran's copyright bullshit. No, thank you. Not even a goddamn chance that you can fuck with me down with OBP. We do what we want when we want. Exactly. All right, Mick. If you were a baseball ad exec and you want to give a quick elevator pitch to why people should be interested in the back half and the final stretch of the 2023 Major League Baseball season, what would it be? So who am I talking to here in this elevator? You are talking to Ted Reynolds (laughs) from Bumfuck, Ohio. And he hasn't been that into baseball in the past couple of years. And you're telling him why this year is great. I don't know. I'd be tempted to start with Otani, right? I would be tempted Just to start with Otani as well. What he's been doing, I mean, he's doing what Babe Ruth used to do that we've talked about how cool it was 100 years ago. I would talk about the fact that games have been 25 minutes shorter this year. And it's a more action-packed game than in previous years. It's a game that if someone complains about the pace of play, there's less to complain about. I would talk about Ronald Acuna having a season that's never happened before. Nobody's ever had, I believe it's over 20 home runs and over 50 steals before the end of July. Baseball is exciting. There's home runs. There's base hits. The pace of play is increased. A lot of interesting players and storylines. Don't know if I convinced Ted fucking Ted Reynolds, but that's what I would say. Yeah, you know, and it could be a mere glass. I don't know. I'm making up names here, but, you know, it doesn't have to be Ted Reynolds. But, um, yeah, I would agree with you. I think that one of the things that has been a through line from day one of you down with OBP is that I think both of us like fantasy baseball because it gets us watching and interested in baseball. And vice versa. You know, we want baseball to get us excited and thus more interested in fantasy sports and vice versa. We want the fantasy sports to fuel the baseball watching. Uh, I don't know if anybody and I'm sure there are tons of people that just care about the way to do a team and this and that. But for me personally, if I'm going to invest, fuck it, I don't know, 100 hours a year, which is very low um, for most baseball fans then I want to do something that's going to make my enjoyment of the time I'm watching it um, increase. So I think it's always important to talk about why we just like baseball, you know? And and we've yeah. talked about it before, but I think that a huge part of winning a fantasy baseball league is staying fucking interested in baseball. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's long. long games. Goddamn yeah. season, exactly. It's long. And, and you need to There's stay ebbs and interested. And, and yeah. so... I love hearing this, and I would add that it's a fun playoff picture right now. Baltimore, Texas, Minnesota, that's fun. That's fun to see those teams. Tampa Bay, Houston, Toronto, eh, it's pretty fun. Yeah, exactly, and you have those like stellar teams that have been over and over successful, the Dodgers and Astros and all those teams, but in in the AL, those teams are fighting for wild card positions, so it's fun. Um, yeah, there's ebbs and flows, but we're feeling good. Yeah. And I mean, with our podcast, it's like there's ebbs and flows to our ability to invest ourselves and feel like we put out a good product. But there's a little bit of stress that goes 
with that too. You know, like want to do this, write articles and everything like that. So yeah, trying to have more fun ba- with baseball this year. Well, also continue to do you down with OVP. Yeah, we got to do another one soon, even if it's a short one. I know we always say it, but just do it. I always enjoy talking with you. I always enjoy talking baseball. Like you said, we stress about it. We want a good product, but I think sometimes we should just do one where we're like, fuck it. Let's just talk about baseball and have some fun. Fuck it. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed it. Jamie already told you where you can find us. You down with OBT.com as well as Twitter. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. Hey.